Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. As a small boy, I had a couple of pets. I had a dog and I had a cat that really didn't get along like normal dogs and cats. They actually liked each other. Unlike the Tom and Jerry cartoons, these two had no problem playing together and sharing the same home. They were like two naive kids that did not know any better. And this all came to an end Soon after my cat, Irish, and don't ask me how she got her name, my dad picked it for some reason, but Irish got pregnant with her first litter of kittens, and she was a really pretty patchwork calico, and she was getting bigger by the day. And then, like many of you have experienced, she disappeared for a few days to have her litter, and when she surfaced, we found four little fuzzballs under the front yard bush, all giving that cute and barely audible little squeal meow that you've probably heard before. But Irish was proud of her kittens, and it almost seemed like in the days to follow that she was showing them off even. Our dog, Tippy, and again, we don't question my dad's choices of pet names, (laughs) but Tippy was most fascinated with the new arrivals and she did not understand why Irish was not up for playtime anymore but Tippy remains patient and Irish would let Tippy lay down next to her and her kittens and it almost seemed like something out of a child's storybook even. Unfortunately Irish was about to learn a big lesson Not understanding that a dog the size of a medium-sized spaniel was not to play with newborn kittens, Irish let Tippy play with them, and it didn't go well. At the end of the playtime, we no longer had four little fuzzballs. (laughs) In in her 14 years of life, Irish never again let Tippy... um, or for any uh, any other pet, for that matter, come within 10 feet of her kittens. <laughs> After such a traumatic experience, she had learned how to be a good mama cat and protect her little ones. Every time I think of someone having an abortion, it just breaks my heart. First, it breaks my heart for the mother. Like Irish, oftentimes they're just in their naivete, they don't protect their own children and instead let someone else kill them. The The mental scars that so many mothers have because of the lifelong regret of an abortion can just be devastating. It is hard to look at these people that support and profit off of abortions and think of them in any other light other than evil. I I know we as Christians are to love them as Christ loves them. Christ came, he died, and he rose again in order to make a way for even their salvation. Yes, it is right to focus on the millions of babies that have never been given the chance at life. Yes, it is difficult, yet 
appropriate to consider that these little unborn babies go through such a traumatic experience and death. But it is also appropriate to remember that there is more than one victim of the abortion industry. It is for this reason that I have long said that if Roe versus Wade is ever overturned, I am throwing a party. I am throwing a big party for those that want to celebrate the end of this terrible decision of the Supreme Court all those years ago. I, I, I may want to start making some, some party plans, um, you know, now. I mean, it looks like I may have to throw a party soon. As Ben Johnson of the Daily Wire tells us, of all the forms of inflation Americans have suffered through recent months, perhaps the worst kind has been threat inflation. The endless stream of doomsday prophecies and and apocalyptic warnings that a coalition of theocrats, rubes, and white supremacists are secretly turning America into a copy of The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) This was always off base in a nation where children may be indoctrinated in critical race theory and attend drag queen story hour all in the same day. But nothing has thrown more fuel on this overheated rhetoric than the possibility that the Supreme Court might overturn Roe versus Wade. Extreme claims of impending theocracy ignore what would actually happen if the justices decide to revisit this overreaching judicial dictate and and allow the American people to have a greater voice in American uh, abortion policy for the first time since 1973. The, The pitched rhetoric began even before the Supreme Court agreed to hear cases involving the two state laws that offer robust protections for the unborn uh, for for these little unborn babies a a mississippi law limiting abortion for the first 15 weeks of of pregnancy and a texas law prohibiting abortions on children who have a detectable fetal heartbeat which occurs around 6 weeks or so um, these are the two cases that are coming up before the Supreme Court. MSNBC's Tiffany Cross said the high court was seeking a trans, uh, seeking to transform the United States into Gilead 2.0 and some analysis, including former Planned Parenthood president Cecil Richards, erroneously claimed that Roe was just overturned. That's what they said, that Roe was just overturned over that one decision to allow that to go forward. Uh, you know, following the abortion of uh, uh, the the adoption of the Texas heartbeat law was when he said this. Now, the hysteria reaching a fever pitch during oral arguments for Miss- the Mississippi case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health uh, Organization, which suggested a majority of justices seem open to overturning Roe. So when they started to hear oral arguments, on this case, there definitely is some opt- optimism here. But what would happen 
if they do overturn Roe versus Wade, the, you know, the 1973 decision that first invented the novel legal doctrine that the U.S. Constitution contains an unwritten right to abortion. I mean, if you read the abortion, if you read the Constitution, abortion is not in there. It doesn't say that that's a right that we have. It, 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 and it even goes even into being more ridiculous when you really start to look at what the decision was all about back in 1973. Uh, for one thing, the court would go a long, a long way uh, reestablishing its own credibility if they actually did overturn Roe versus Wade. Pro-life activists and even many abortion activists uh, agree on, on one thing. Roe v. Wade was one of the most egregious acts of judicial activism in history. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg once called Roe heavy-handed judicial intervention. I mean, that's what she called it. Edward Lazarus, a former clerk to Justice Harry Blackman, who authored Roe, said, quote, Roe borders on the indefensible because it has little connection to the Constitution, right? It proposedly interpreted. You see, it doesn't even have a connection to what it's supposed to have a connection to in the Constitution. He, he says, a constitutional right to privacy broad enough to include abortion has no meaningful foundation in constitutional text, history, or president. You see, it, it re- residing such a baseless decision can only bolster the court's reputation. If they strike down, in other words, Roe versus Wade, it's only going to help the reputation of the Supreme Court, not deter it. It's like if I was to make a mistake on something, instead of just continuing to go forward and say, you know what, this is the way it is, this is the truth, this is the way it's going to be. If I actually admit, look, I made a mistake here, and I'm going to correct it, and we're even going to do the opposite of whatever I had decided originally, then I'm going to have more credibility than if I just continue to go on and say, well, we never make mistakes. Now, overturning Roe most certainly won't end all abortions. While while most extreme voices warn that overturning Roe versus Wade would end all abortions naturally, that is not the most likely to be the case. It's it's true that the court could decide to recognize that all Americans enjoy an inalienable, inalienable constitutional right to life, which science teaches begins at conception, of course. The, the Fifth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment both make it illegal for the government to deprive any person, as it says, of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. A, a fact that even Blackman admitted in the Roe decision, and this is this is very interesting. If the unborn child is recognized as a person, he said, the newly minted right to abortion collapses. He he literally wrote that about Roe versus Wade. That possibility, though, even though it, it would be very desirable, seems very remote. And it is more likely that any court overturning Roe will rule that the 
that the Constitution is, well, in the words of Brett Kavanaugh, it is um, neutral on the question of abortion, neither pro-choice nor pro-life. Should, should justices arrive at this kind of weaker conclusion, abortion will not grind to a halt naturally. Instead, the, the American people will finally be given the opportunity to choose abortion policies that reflect their values in a meaningful way for the first time in decades. So again, it, it, it probably won't get struck down as illegal, but it will be sent back to the states in, in, is, is another way to look at that. Uh, America already had a competing checkerboard of abortion laws before Roe. I mean, Colorado became the first state to legalize abortion in 1967. Uh, that was six years before Roe. Now, under the leadership of the, uh, the, the f- future governor and then legislator at the time, Richard Lamb, he was a Democrat, and Lamb would later actually, I mean, this, this, here's, here's, a, here's a real guy for you, right? Lamb later uh, would show his um, con- consistency on his anti-life type of stance uh, and, and his thought by saying that senior citizens, quote, have a duty to die and get out of the way, unquote. That's what he thought uh, life was all about, right? Other states followed. Even then Governor Ronald Reagan, believe it uh, or not, signed the California uh, abortion law, which he thought would allow abortion only in extreme cases. And he actually, in the end, the move became one of his lifelong regrets. As Americans were, were sorting out their views, Roe v. Wade dictated from the bench that the newfound right to abortion extended to the point of viability. Uh, states may only pass laws prohibiting abortions after the child can live uh, outside his or her mother's womb, which currently legally is defined as 24 weeks. Uh, nearly the, the, all the way to the third trimester, obviously. Uh, reversing Roe would return abortion law back to the states. So if that was to happen, how would America change after Roe? Well, state laws would, would change, obviously. Many states have already passed laws that run the gambit from viability, uh, banning abortion, to fully funding abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, and even even in the event of a Roe reversal, even. Um, a dozen states have passed pro-life trigger laws, which would begin to protect pre-born children the, the moment Roe is, a, is aborted itself. <laughs> um, for instance, Kentucky, 2019, uh, Human Life Protection Act would make, make it a Class D felony to commit an abortion, except to save the mother's life or prevent the um, permanent impairment of a life-sustaining organ. Uh, it would you know, take a effect upon uh, any decision of the United States Supreme Court which reverses in whole or in part Roe versus Wade. Uh, according to the Guttmacher Institute, the 12 states with such laws are Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah. Now, eight states that limited abortion on demand before Roe actually still have the law on the books. 
if the if the case is overturned, the state laws would go back into effect. So some of these state law exemptions that allow abortion in the case of rape or incest or for the health of the mother, which if if you put it the health of the mother, that's a concept that is kind of elastic <laughs> that the that the judges have have stretched it to include almost all abortions anyway. So um, you can't just say that, you know the health of the mother because pregnancy is always going to be kind of a um, you know something that 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 could go wrong. There's there's all it's it's like uh, any real medical procedure or operation. There's always going to be some risk. Now on the other end of the spectrum, thirteen states and the District of Columbia have passed state laws explicitly legalizing or even often funding abortion on demand. For instance, then New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, the Democrat there that just resigned uh, you know, in, in disgrace, signed the, the, two, uh, uh, the 2019 Reproductive Health Act, they called it, which strikes down all pro-life laws in the uh, state uh, and allows abortion for any reason until 24 weeks. This, I mean, you, again, you can use it uh, as a contraceptive, basically, or until birth if an abortionist decides, quote, in good faith, unquote, that an abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or health. Now, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, those states include California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Nevada, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington. And in addition, 16 states force taxpayers to pay for elective abortions through through the state uh, Medicaid funds. That, that covers the laws already in place, but more changes would definitely likely... Uh, would, they, they would definitely like it be, be coming. Pro-life protections would would increase. Uh, without the Supreme Court artificially restricting the the will of the people, states would pass progressive protections for unborn uh, children. For instance, nearly two thirds of Americans, sixty five percent, say that abortion should be illegal in all or most cases after the first trimester. And this is according to an an AP NORC uh, poll that was released uh, last June. That's just the beginning, though. A 2019 Hill-Harris-X poll found that 55% of Americans support heartbeat bills, and 21% of Americans believe the laws, which allow six weeks uh, for abortions, are too liberal. The, the American people want a fresh debate and, and a new direction um, achieved by consensus and, and, and built on love for both mothers and babies. And that was actually something that was said by Marjorie Denflisser, who is pre- president of the pro-life uh, Susan B. Anthony list. Uh, and she said that back in 2019. And I, and I believe it's still the case. Um, the majority of Americans do not support abortion. And this is something that uh, definitely is being looked at because of the turn of the American people away from the pro-choice or pro-death, however you want to look at it, stance. Now, finally, the, these pro-life 
protections will have a real impact in reducing deaths and reversing America's years-long birth rate uh, and bust. So basically, if you look at, at our at our birth rate here in America, it is not sustainable. We have to have be having more children. Uh, thousands of, of lives would be saved uh, by overturning Roe versus Wade. Uh, this would uh, undeniably result in in fewer abortions. A, a, a 2012 study found that uh, comprehensive pro-life protections in 17 states would result in a 6% decline in abortions. Other studies set the number twice as high as that. Economist uh, Caitlin Knowles-Myers of the Millbury College uh, in, estimated that after a row, abortions would plummet at least 14%. And if, if that was the case, if you do the math, that is saving roughly 100,000 lives a year. That hardly seems like a dent in the in the deadly toll that followed the the 1973 ruling, and it, though it, it's there is actually an estimate now of 62 million babies have been aborted in the United States from 1973 until this year, according to official statistics from the CDC's annual abortion uh, uh, surveillance. 619,591 abortions took place in 2018. Now, 2018 is the the most recent year for which data is available. And that excludes three states that do not report abortions. Now, listen to the three states, California, Maryland, and New Hampshire. How many, just let's just take California. How many abortions do you think happen in California alone? And yet, that number of 619,591 did not include the abortions that took place in California because they decided they don't want to report. Now, if that was any other medical procedure, they would have to report, but because it's abortion, we want to hide those numbers. That's what they do. So what, what would happen in ensuing years if the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade? Well, mi- millions of lives will be protected. Judicial overreach would be rebuffed, and the American people will have a democratic choice about the most life-defining issue facing our nation. Uh, and, and, and even Ben Shapiro astutely uh, points out that as the Supreme Court determines whether to preserve the court's created right to abortion under Roe versus Wade, those on the feminist left have gone into full-blown panic mode. Women's rights, they insist, will implode without granting women the ability to abort their children. Only the ability can can equalize the natural inequality of biology, by which women are sadly, with the burden of childbearing and childrearing, saddled. So (laughs) this, this war with biology is central to the left's definition of autonomy itself. In the pages of the New York Times, Democratic activist Elizabeth Spears made this perfectly clear in arguing that abortion ought to be considered the moral alternative to adoption. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? She literally said this. 
She said, when I awoke, and she, she wrote this out, my son would wake up shortly after and I'd feel him turning and stretching or less pleasantly jamming his precious little foot into what felt like my cervix. This is one of the paradoxes of pregnancy, she said. Something alien is usurping my body and sapping you of nutrition and energy. But you're programmed to gleefully enable it, and you become desperately protective of it. It's a kind of biological brainwashing. Really? Really? Pregnancy is a is a biological brainwashing the same people who maintain that your your biology dictates that you can be a man in a woman's body and that this represents not gender dysphoria truly a form of biological brainwashing by the way but an objective reality to which all of society should conform also argue that biology creates morally unjust connections between mother and child. That's just weird. That's just, th- th- these are morally unjust connections that these mothers have between them and their child because they've been programmed. As Spears says, biological brainwashing occurs during pregnancy. Mothers cannot simply choose not to bond with a child she's gestating solely on the basis that she is not ready to be a mother or believes that she is unable to provide for the child. This means that women should consider killing the child rather than putting it up for adoption. The language of biological brainwashing doesn't stop with the bond between mother and child. Last week, believe it or not, and and this gal, she needs to stay in, in office because she is a shining example of what a representative should not be. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York, the spectacularly dull Instagram star, characterized a, uh, opposition to abortion as the legalization of forced birth. This what that's what she characterized it as that is the legalization of forced birth in her view biology itself is an imposition on women the the left conveniently drops its its orwellian birthing people lingo when a, abortion is at stake uh, ending a pregnancy by killing an unborn, uh, unborn child is a restoration of the natural order, in her opinion. So, I mean, this is precisely the, the, the opposite of truth, of course. A, a predictable result of sex, in fact. The biological um, purpose of sex is procreation. The process by which conception results in birth is continuous and natural. So interfering in that process by forced killing of an unborn human life is definitively unnatural. But so is the entire leftist worldview by which true autonomy represents 
and opposition between spirit and flesh. According to the left, any check on our ambitions, even the check provided by a you know the reality of biology, must be overcome in order to establish true equality of opportunity. Women are different than men in biology. Therefore, biology must be opposed, right? The results of this madness are obvious. Men and women alienated from themselves, angrily um, at at the realities of life. I mean, willing to forego perhaps the greatest joy of existence, the perpetuation of human species through the birth of children. But other civilizations are not so suicidal. (laughs) While we amuse ourselves to death, selfishly focused on our own subjective sense of autonomy, other civilizations recognize at the very least the biology and and the fact that it is an inescapable, inescapable reality. These civilizations that best conform to the beauty of that reality will thrive. Those that do not will destroy themselves. And this is in my opinion, this, this is another great example of the fact that leftists will attack anything that gets in their way. It can be biologically, um, it can be biological, and 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 then they're going to attack it. It it could be the president of the United States, and they're going to attack him. It can be you on social media, and they're going to attack you. They are already bracing for what looks to be a monumental decision against Roe versus Wade. And let's pray that this actually happens and that thousands, if not millions, of lives will be saved because of it. There will be lies and gnashing of teeth, of course, if it does, but it will be a time to celebrate that life is winning over death. And yes, I will be throwing a party. (laughs) So you may agree. You may disagree with this. I would definitely love to hear from you. And of course, you can do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.